Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 114 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony, and we are glad to have another week of beer and Bibling. That is right. Tonight's a really special episode, and we'll get to that in a minute. But before that, Anthony, what's up? Yes. Man, busy, busy. So there's been this meme floating around um, in the Facebook worlds and Instagrams that says January was a hard year, but we made it. Mm-hmm. And I I would have to say yes. That that pretty much sums up January. <laughs> I feel like it. I feel like January <laughs> took forever and also flew by. It's this a weird juxtaposition of like Yes. Well, January ever ends and then you get into February and you're like, wait, 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 I wasn't done with January yet. <laughs> there's so Whoa, much there's so much left I have to get done. Um Yeah. Man, but it's, it's it's been busy around here um, in the household Casa Day kid, and we have been going and just trying to keep our heads above water for some days, it seems like. You know, we get to the weekend, and we're like, what are we going to do this weekend? Nothing. We're going to do nothing. It's yeah. going to be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So how about you guys? Dude, um, same boat, um, except for we got to the last weekend, and there was no nothing to be done. We're, we had... Uh, I mentioned last week I had like a men's retreat with my church uh, uh-huh. Friday night into Saturday morning, which was really good. Um, and then uh, Saturday afternoon helps my wife move into – she got a new office with her. The business she works with, they expanded, and so she was able to get her own nice. office. Um, I played at church on Sunday morning, so that was like a long day, long mm-hmm. night Friday, long day Saturday into a long day on Sunday because our call time is like 5.45. Um, and then right into continuing to help my wife get her office situated. So um, <laughs> long weekend. Um, I slept really hard Sunday. There was you know football on, and I woke up in time to see um, the last game. I don't remember which game it was, but how that was it, the Rams and 49ers. Yeah, that one. So – but I got I woke up at the very just in time to see um the Rams celebrating that interception at the end. Like I didn't even see the yeah. interception. So um spoiler if you haven't seen that game yet. <laughs> if you haven't seen that game yet, it's your own fault and you deserve what you just got. Because by the time this comes out, the big game, which I don't know if we can actually say the name of it, you know, the whole legal thing about oh. the big the big game, you know? Yes. It's the it's the uh the bowl that you uh, pour soup into yes to to eat. So by the, by the um, time this comes out, that game will be in two days. So um, that's right. Please don't sue us, NFL. No, we we <laughs> didn't talk about it because it hasn't happened yet. But personally, I'm, that's right. I'm hoping that um, it's a good game. That's really all I'm hoping. Yeah, for. I'm I'm excited to see somebody other than Tom Brady and Patrick, uh, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I mean the. <laughs> In the in the game in in that one thing, the NFL is not going to find this dude. And if they do, that that's a lot of effort for them. So you know, they're going to come after us for what? Nothing? Exactly. No. So no, but we're good. It's just been very busy. Um, my son's actually been fighting a little bit of a cold or mm-hmm. a cough. I'm not really sure what it, but I mean, the doctor got him some medicine yesterday, and so uh, we're we're staying good with that. My wife is starting to feel more and more pregnant as we go along um <laughs> it's like it's it's only downhill from here i know but. i think it's like 20 i think we're 23 weeks this week so and, but you never say that you never say that to a woman no you never do <laughs> but i think that's how far along we are and um it's just she's starting to get into that hard to get comfortable stage and mm-hmm. we know the next 
two, three, four months are going to not get any easier. So, yes, greatly appreciate prayers for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just um, true that patience and uh, wisdom and patience. So patience and patience and extra patience. I said patience (laughs) twice. So, um, so tonight I I mentioned that tonight's a kind of a special episode for the first time in a hot minute since we did the Rodler with um, Bob Raydank. Um, And then before that it had been, you know, we're going about 10 episodes right now where this is every 10 episodes or so we're able to do this. Anthony and I are going to drink review and drink the same beer. Yes. Um, and this is a new beer to the Beers and Bible podcast. We are our new brewery. I'm sorry. New every brewery, every yep. beer is a new beer. <laughs> Except for that one time you cheated at the very beginning. Um, uh, the, yeah, I did that one it's time. It's okay. But that's okay. I, it's been forgiven. Um, <laughs> Do you forgive me? Yes. I mean, that was 113 episodes ago. <laughs> We should have, if I wasn't going to forgive you, we should have nixed it back then. No. Um, so the brewery, the Naked River Brewing Company, they are based in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is which is an appropriate place for this beer. Yeah, this is the Moon Pie Stout um, from Naked River Brewing. Um, it's a chocolate moon pie stout. That's what it is. Um, yes. If you've ever been to the city of Chattanooga, you know about the Moon Pie General Store. Um, and it's uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. If you've ever been to Mobile, Alabama, you know about moon pies because of Mardi Gras, and also because in on New Year's Eve in Mobile, we celebrate the moon pie drop. That is incredible. <laughs> I may have to make it down to Mobile for the moon pie drop. Yes, um, it's mounted on the side of a building. It's fantastic. It's great. That's that's awesome. Um, I'm not seeing any ABV or IBUs. On the can anywhere. I, seems like I looked it up and I saw 8.5. Oh, 8.5 on the ABV, ABV and 64 IBUs. That's right. That's on the website that I was kind of on. Um, the can says um, this is the brew that hung the moon. It's incredibly rich, smooth, and creamy beverage brewed with fresh baked moon pies in collaboration with Moon Pie, an all American mm. iconic snack made with pride by Chattanooga Bakery Company. Moon Pie became famous as the working man's lunch. Now our Moon Pie beverage is the working man's reward. Cheers. And I'm excited there about this go. one. Um, I've seen it kind of on social media and stuff, and I was in a one of my favorite package stores over the weekend and figured that as a reward for um, helping my wife move into her new office, I could get uh, a Moon Pie stout. <laughs> so... Um, but I'm excited. It's a great this. reward. It is, and <laughs> we may be, we may have found something here. So, um, I'm ready to crack it open, Anthony. If you are, let's do it. And uh, let's do it. Find out what this thing's about. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. I'm liking the smell. So, I said that uh, the moon pie. See. I grew up thinking moon pies are from Mobile, Alabama, because that's where I'm from. And the only time I ever saw a moon pie was during Mardi Gras. And you could get a moon pie at Mardi Gras, and you could get enough moon pies at Mardi Gras to last you the entire year. And yes, they would stay good for the entire year. So, I mean, you could you could eat last year's moon pie this year, and it would still be fine. It smells like a moon pie. It does smell like a moon pie, and chocolate moon pies are my favorite too. I'm not, I'm not big on all like the flavors and stuff. Oh no, and that's what I was saying. The um, the moon pie general store has all sorts of flavors. You walk in there, and you're like, is a key lime pie moon pie good? I don't want to know if it's good know. or not. I mean, it's like the whole thing with <laughs> Oreo. Why did they start messing with the cream in Oreo? This is true. Like a double stuffed Oreo is. Already perfect. Why? Why? Yes. Why mess with it? Hey Nabisco, we want answers. Okay. These two Nimrods want answers. <laughs> we, we demand answers. <laughs> you and I should march in the parking <laughs> lot should... of Nabisco. <laughs> we want answers. Yes, we do. We want answers. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm terrible at pouring beer, so mine's still. Oh, I foaming over I here. I didn't mind good. Are you in your B&B mug? 
I am in my B&B mug tonight. Me too. Look at that. We're matching all the way down to the glass we're drinking out of. But I guess we have to wait for Anthony's foam to go down a little bit. Give it just a second. We'll be ready to go here in just a second. But um, So, yeah, I I was Moon Pies in Mobile. Like, that's where they're... I thought they were from for for the longest time until I realized that the bakery was in Chattanooga and they weren't from Mobile and we didn't come up with them. But every like I said, everything we do down here in Mobile has to do around the moon pie. So I just assumed they were from Mobile for the longest time. But nonetheless, there we go. I think I'm good to go now. So okay, we should turn these up. And I hope this is going to be as good as a moon as eating a moon pie because I love moon pies. So bottoms up. Let's go. Cheers, bud. Cheers. That tastes like a moon pie. Yeah, it does. It's a little bit um, richer mm-hmm. than a, like a moon pie. A moon pie is incredibly rich already. Yeah. But this tastes, I mean, the flavor is almost spot on, which it should be yeah. because it's brewed with actual <laughs> moon pies from the bakery. Say, well, <clears throat> and this is the weird part. So I was wondering how they were going to get that marshmallowy flavor in there, but it's like it's there. They nailed it, dude. You can you can uh, you can really get that marshmallow flavor with the chocolate, and that I mean, that's what makes moon moon pies great is is the marshmallow and chocolate. But uh, do you want to rate this, or do you want me to rate this? First? I've already changed the rating. I've already okay. changed the what I thought <laughs> we, we were going to be. We, we had a preemptive playing, rating. Yeah, we started playing this game where we kind of have kind of guess what each other is going to rate something um i I can almost guarantee that anthony and i were are going to rate ours higher than what we had initially guessed you would be correct okay um yeah this is a this is a five luther beer Mm -hmm. right here um the the flavor is good the the texture is good the taste is spot on if you're a moon pie person um yeah, I almost want to go get a moon pie and like dip, dunk it in this and eat it with. That I don't know if that would be any good or not, but I'm trying to get diabetes would... and liver disease at the same time. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> oh man! Um, but man, it's just it's just it's exactly what you want it to be. I mean, it, they're advertising it as a moon pie beer. It is a moon pie beer and a chocolate moon pie beer, and yes, five Luthers all the way from Anthony. Oh yeah, and, and and yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the the flavor is just perfect enough. Like it's not it's not like bam, here's a moon pie. I'm shoving it down your throat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that obvious of it. But like you can you get all the flavors. You get the chocolate. Yeah, the wafer, the the bready wafer that a moon pie is yeah. on. Um, the marshmallows there. It's really smooth. Uh, it's got a really rich flavor. Um, and I, I think this is a home run into the parking lot by Naked River Brewing. Um, <laughs> this is a Jose Soler, Jorge Soler home run, home run Jorge in, Soler, in Game right. Six of the World Series. Exactly. <laughs> um, but this is five Luthers all day, and I, I'm glad I've got three more. And I also, me I'm too, glad I know where to find them. What's funny is after I got it, so they weren't um, chilled in the package store. Mm-hmm. That I got it, got this from. And so I picked it up, and I was kind of walking around just kind of seeing because I'm not in there much. It's a little further away from home. Um, so I'm looking around, and one of the guys working there saw what I was I had, and he just told me, he, you know, as he passed, he was like, that's an excellent choice. And I was like, nice. if the guy working here is telling me it's a good <laughs> good choice, then I feel pretty good about that. So Nice. But, I went over to my, my good store, the Cottage Hill Package Store, and picked mine because I knew that I was like, that's the only place I'm going to be able to find this. And sure enough, it was. And while I was over there, um, I walked in. He's like, hey, man, are you looking for something? And I was like, yeah, I'm looking for the moon pie. And he's like, right there. And he's like, it's really good. You're going to like it. And I was like, sweet. And he goes, if you want another Mardi Gras, there's a couple more right there beside it with some different breweries. And so I picked up a King Cake beer. Oh, my. I'm, I'm going to attempt to hold on to it until next week. And uh, if if I can manage to go a whole week without drinking one, then I'm going to do a king cake beer next week. So pretty excited about that one, too. Well, because it's Mardi Gras and all. Is that? I guess that's coming up now, isn't it? Yeah, it's the end of, it's the end of February. It's always the end of February. Gotcha. So I'm not Catholic. Mobile Mobile's not the home Cath- of Mardi Gras. I'm not Catholic <laughs> or from Mobile and haven't been to New Orleans, so... 
There you go. I have no connection New, to Mardi Gras at all. So New Orleans stole it from us. It's okay. Those They're, thieves. Yeah, well, <laughs> they don't have much else going for them. Let them cut off some slack. Uh, love you, oh, New Orleans. Man. I've never been, but but there you have it. Uh, the beer review for the week. Um, Anthony and I both giving the Chocolate Moon Pie Stout from Naked River Brewing Company five Luthers and mm-hmm. um, thoroughly enjoying it. Um, and I may go get another one uh, here in a second. I don't know. So um, I might too. But there you have it. And uh, now after this short break. Um, we're going to continue our discussion and study and walk through in exegesis of exegesis. That's a good word. There you go. <laughs> that is um, a good word of uh, Philippians. We're we're moving. We've moved into chapter two, and we're going to tackle verses five through eleven tonight. Um, probably one of the best known passages of scripture in mm-hmm. the whole Bible, yes. and um, one of the more studied passages of scripture so um go ahead and get there and uh we'll be right back with you in just a second Welcome back to our Bible discussion tonight. We're going to be diving in and looking through Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Um, and this is, as Michael alluded to, this is a very pivotal um, section of Scripture. This has been the substance of controversy in the church and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so we are going to tackle it uh, as best we can, and we're going to try not to get bogged down in the weeds. This is this is something that there have been books and volumes and novels written about this, this section of Scripture. There have been debates. There are creeds, all kinds of stuff based, really uh, kind of formulated around this Scripture right here. So um, we're going to try to hit the highlights of it tonight. And try to give do it justice and cover it as, as best we can. But if you will, grab your uh, copy of Scripture um, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to pick up in verse 5. And it says, have, <clears throat> excuse me, the Scripture says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And Paul is wrapping up the gospel in six verses, seven verses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he this these verses are pivotal, and the reason that they're pivotal is because they focus on the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. Which is which is what Paul does so many times. Yeah, and so you're we're going to kind of walk through this this passage, and 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 I love the way that the kind of the main commentary that we're following breaks this passage down. It talks about the mind of Christ in verse five, and then verses six through eight talk about the humility of Christ, with the pinnacle of that being the cross. Mm-hmm. And then verses nine through eleven, you have the exaltation of Christ, and so yeah. you have the humility of Christ, the exaltation of Christ. And we're going to walk through this and what this means for Christians, um, what this means for our doctrine. This is a very doctrinal section of Scripture. Um, You can get a lot of theology from here. And so Mm -hmm. we are going to get into some seminary-type theology words, and and we're going to do our best to kind of just talk through and explain those so that everybody kind of knows what's going on. Sound like a plan? Sounds good, man. Let's do it. I have a quick question. 
Yes. So I, um, of course, we're going to get to the like the actual content. Um, mm-hmm. In your Bible, mm-hmm. are verses six through eleven indented like um, similar to Proverbs and some of the Psalms and stuff like that? Mine is not. The okay. ESV does not. There are several versions that do. Um, the HCSB does. Yep. I'm, the I, CSB I know. does. I'm looking at the HCSB. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I believe it's the NLT does. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that it does that. And that is because there. And this is part of the debate. Okay. Um, there are a lot of theologians that would say, and there and they are correct. I I would agree with them that that these verses are a hymn. These are a song. Okay. And Paul did not originally write. These words he may have rephrased them, um, but they're they're uh, they're basically saying that this pulls from something that um, Jews would have known about the Messiah. They would have said this about the Messiah, and and that's part of the controversy around this specific verse is because Paul basically says, "Hey, here's the Messiah. It's Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus." Mm, sorry. And and he's I mean he's basically laying it out to what would be Jews in his day. Gotcha. Who had rejected Jesus. Gotcha. I was just so, curi- I'm just curious about that because like I come from a um history background. I took I had I minored in English in college and so like mm-hmm. formatting and stuff like that is like there's to me there should be a reason behind the the way things are formatted, yes, and that makes sense. Yeah, but I'd never, I'd never had anyone explain it to me. So that's you know, shame. Well, on, there you go. Shame on me for not asking before. <laughs> so, so you're right. Um, these these five, six, however many verses, seven, something many, like that. Yeah, however five through eleven, yeah. seven verses. So uh, they're pivotal, right? Um, mm-hmm. And because it, it by the end of it, Jesus is you know. The focus is the cross. And and because Jesus humbles himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, which Mm -hmm. is – I know we've talked about it in the past, but the most humiliating, um, torturing, gruesome Mm -hmm. death. Like the Romans perfected it and made it as miserable as possible for the people that they hung hung on a cross. So Jesus went through that. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of that, because he – humbled himself to that point, he's now exalted as king over everything. And, and I mean, yeah. that's very clear and evident in the words that Paul writes here. Yeah. And there's uh if you're, if you're following along in the commentary, they, they pointed out this book, uh, basics by DA Carson, which I have thumbed through. I don't, I don't have a copy of, it, but I have, I have read through it for some other things. And, I loved this, uh, what they pulled out on different perspectives mm. of the cross. And so I thought it was appropriate as a part of our discussion to just talk about these real quick. Um, these are from D.A. Carson, and so we're just going to kind of highlight these. But the first perspective they pulled out was God's perspective. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the cross, and these are perspectives on the cross. So when you look at the cross, this is where Jesus died as a propitiation for our sins, and he took the wrath of God. Yeah. In doing so, he turned away God's anger, and you can see that in First John two two. Yeah, um, and you know we're we're going to use big words. So propitiation is basically um, a substitute. That's somebody who fills a role, and they yeah. and they serve the purpose that that something or someone else was supposed to serve. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Christ is the propitiation for our sins. He is the sacrifice for our sins. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's God's perspective. Yeah. What's Christ's perspective? So Christ's perspective is, I mean, this is how Jesus obeyed the Father. He obeyed mm-hmm. his Father, and he did so perfectly, right? He, yeah. he's, His obedience is carried out perfectly because he is perfect. Um, yeah. And he does this to give his life as a ransom for many mm-hmm. and be become obedient to the point of death. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the reference there is Mark 10, 45. I mean— Jesus knew and Jesus understood that there had to be a sacrifice, a sacrificial death to mm-hmm. atone for the sins of the world. And, and, you know, he was, you know, we I think we talked about it either last week or the week before where 
even in the garden, Jesus is saying, I'm, you know, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, like, like I, Jesus is praying this, but not yeah. my will yours be done. So Jesus is obedient to the point of his physical life ending yeah. on earth and, and being buried and, and prepped mm-hmm. for a funeral and all that stuff. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, Christ's perspective is that this is his fulfillment of obedience to the Father. Yeah, yeah. Call that the active obedience yeah. of Christ. Yeah. So the next one is Satan's perspective, and this this is kind of where it gets interesting. Um, and and this is where I really appreciated this. So, um, from Satan's perspective, the cross is the point that ensures Satan's defeat. Mm. It's the point where Satan knows he's been defeated, and so. He, you, the the irony of this is that it's Satan is the one who is used. I guess you could. I mean, in in some ways, you could actually say that to get Jesus to the cross. You know, it says Satan entered Jesus. No, not Jesus. Satan entered Judas. Let mm-hmm. me say that right. <laughs> um, when he went to betray him. Yeah. And so, um, you. In, in some aspects of this, you see God's providence in all of this. Yeah. God's directing and, and, and leading and guiding of even things that were against Jesus yeah. to get him to the cross because that was the plan of the Father from eternity past. At what point do you think Satan realized he had no chance of victory? You know... Uh, as much as I hate, no, I don't hate to do it. I love these kind of analogies. C.S. Lewis is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. To me, perfectly captures what Satan, Christ, and the Death on the Cross look like. If you remember the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you have the evil, the the, the White Witch, okay, and Aslan, and they go to negotiate. The terms because uh, Edmund had done something. Uh, I, I, he had eaten the Turkish delight, and I'm trying to remember all the story right now, all the details. But either way, what happens is Aslan and the White Witch go, and they basically come out for an agreement, and Aslan is the one who has to die for Edmund's trespass. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. Nobody kind of really understands it, and the White Witch thinks at that point that she's got Aslan beat, Aslan is going to die, and then, so they do the whole ritual, the table, and then when Aslan dies, the table breaks, and the White Witch doesn't know what's going on. I I really think, uh, I believe, that at the point where Christ died on the cross— Satan thought he had won all the way up until the point that Christ died on the cross. And it says the veil was torn from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And I think that's symbolic. Uh, we see that in, in the line of the wish in the wardrobe, the table breaks. That symbolism, that that kind of image that we get in our mind, the, the veil torn from top to bottom, is the point where Satan realized, oh no, mm-hmm. this, this has not gone the way I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And... And so, you know, it, it it's a it's a point where he realizes and he knows he's been defeated, even though he's he's still going to have some sway until the second coming of Christ or mm-hmm. until we you know we're glorified. Um, there's still some sway. It's it's a he's he knows he's fighting a losing battle from this point forward. Gotcha. And so so that you know, but this the perspective there is that. The cross is what sealed the deal. Yeah. The cross is where he went, oh, crap. I was just curious because, like, we know that, you know, we we believe that God has known from the beginning, from before mm-hmm. the beginning of time, that yeah. this was going to have to be carried out in order for yeah. people to come into relationship with him, to be able to enter heaven, um, whatever, however you want to word that. And, you know, I, I'm, I was just curious, like, how much knowledge did the angels have because Satan is a fallen angel, right? Mm-hmm. So like how much knowledge of the entirety of the plan did Satan have? Yeah. 
And, well, and, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, when he tempted Jesus in the in the wilderness, did he did he know then like that? Uh, in the way you explained it, like it makes more sense than what I'm about to say. So, <laughs> but like if G, if when he's tempting Jesus in the wilderness, mm-hmm. like does Satan in the back of his mind know? This isn't going to matter because at the end of the, when we get, when we, when he comes back, like I'm done. Yeah. I don't know. And it's, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not the deep theologian, so I don't really know (laughs) things. I'm I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, yeah. I would call myself a deep theologian, but I've tried to think about these, these types of things. And, you know, it's, it's funny because, in, in our human mind, there's a lot of things that we can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't think past our current moment. You know, we, we can try, but we don't know for sure what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, God does. God knows what happens next because he stands outside of time and he dictates time because yeah. all time flows from him. Right. And so... Uh, if if we believe in the transcendence, the full transcendence of God, then then we believe that all time flows from Him. He's beginning and end. Yeah. And so, it it's it's a different perspective that we can't comprehend. And and I think that's kind of the the idea. There is the angels are created beings as well, so they don't stand outside of time. They mm-hmm. can't know the beginning from the end. Only God the Father knows. Only mm-hmm. God the Son knows. Um, gotcha. And so. Uh, you know, we can we can get into the debate of the second coming and and where it says only the Father knows. Um, you know, and and is there certain things that the Father knows that the Son doesn't? We can get into that on another night. Right. <laughs> right. Um, we got more perspectives to get. Through. We, we got more perspectives <laughs> to make it through. So we talked about Satan's perspective. Yep. Now let's talk about sin's perspective. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the cross ensures Satan's defeat is Satan's perspective, but sin's perspective is that the cross is how our sin debt is paid like that's yeah. how our, like sin has no more um authority over man mm-hmm. because of the price paid by jesus on the cross right. and it's kind of weird to think of sin which isn't a person as having a perspective on something mm-hmm. but i mean it does cease to have that authority yeah. over us because of what jesus did on the cross yeah. You know, it's if you have children um, who are of age to try to ration for themselves um, and you've had gospel conversations and you talk about Satan and you talk about God and then inevitably one day you're going to get the response, well, Satan made me do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and have you gotten as, that from your 10-year-old? Oh, I've gotten that one. <laughs> like in the last week, I've gotten that one. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's the struggle for kids. They're, they're mm-hmm. learning, you know, about Satan, but it's, it's, that's what that sin perspective is. It's, oh, Satan made me do it. And we, you know, we have to take as parents, we have to take that opportunity. Well, no, Satan didn't make you do that. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have that much power over you, but mm-hmm. your sin nature does. And right. We can find relief from that sin nature through the cross of Christ, and 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 we point, we try our best. At least I do try our best to point my kids back to the cross, so that they can see that Jesus is the redeemer of their sins. Yeah, and that will hopefully lead them to uh, putting their faith and trust in in Christ, and then yeah. that's the that's the whole goal there. So, yeah. sin's perspective is fun. Um, the final one is our perspective, and I think this one is really interesting, and this one is really key to setting up what we're going to talk about tonight, um, because <laughs> our perspective is the, this is the intro. Yeah, I was about to say, are we a Baptist preacher right now? <laughs> yes, we've yes, we are for the last thirty minutes. It's <laughs> amazing. I'm sorry when you, when you said like as we as this is going to set up what we talk about tonight. I'm like, we haven't talked about. <laughs> A bunch already. <laughs> uh, no, so it. our perspective uh, it is it's awesome. Our perspective is that the cross becomes our standard for behavior, mm-hmm. and specifically, what we're going to kind of zero in on tonight is humility, because yeah. it's going to be Christ's humility that we're called to imitate. Um, and and even though this passage is is very highly debated, there's a lot of different perspectives on this. The purpose of this, and, and I think Paul's purpose on this, is to bring unity. 
Yeah. And and again, we'll caveat this, not unanimousness, unity. Yeah. We have to be focused on one mission, which is the cross and what the cross brings to a lost and dying world. Yeah. Because that's what the gospel is. Mm. And unity will result in people adoring and emulating Jesus Christ. Yeah. And and when you look at the life of Jesus from I mean from the early part of his ministry from the very beginning of his ministry through his death on the cross mm-hmm. he is filled with humility at every turn he's yep. washing the dirty feet of his disciples he is hanging out with the people who the religious um holy people in air quotes um <laughs> are saying don't to even don't even bother associating with those people right like jesus is our he should be our standard and our example for what a humble person and and for what a humble person is Jesus knew he had every authority and all the power to go yeah and rule over like he he could have snapped his fingers and been the ruler of the right the yeah. right ruler of the world but because of his great love because of his great humility and because of the plan that the father had for him, mm-hmm. he, he he didn't do that. And he, and he served humbly. He lived humbly. And he is 100% who we should model our lives yeah. after. Yeah. Which is what Paul tells us to do starting this passage. Yeah. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's interesting. This verse, this verse uh, five, gets translated a bunch of different ways mm-hmm. uh, in across the different different perspective or different translations. Um, yeah. The the HCSB, the one you have, says make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Um, I That's read the not ESV. Me at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ESV having your own mind, uh, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The New Living Translation says you must have the same attitude. That Christ Jesus had. Um, the New American Standard says, "Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus." Um, the Message says, "Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of Himself." Mm. And the New International Version uh, says, "In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus." And each one of those is worded slightly differently. Um, and and I don't want to say that one is better than the other because when you when you get down into the text, you could draw any one of those out. Um, and and the way that the Greek is written, it's so I I don't want to say vague, but it's just it's so convoluted that you can you can pull any one of those inter in those translations out and say this is why I'm translating it this way, and and here's the reasons, and here's the grammatical, and there's there's a whole reason that entire translations seem to be different from each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important right here to note that each one of these is really still saying the same thing. It might be wording it differently. Again, we just talked about the different perspectives. It might be yeah. wording it differently, but it's still saying the same thing. In all that you do, have the mind of Christ. Yeah. Imitate Christ in everything that you do. Yeah. Because if you don't, then you're you're gonna miss everything that I'm about to say. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, we have to seek the mind of Christ, and when we do, our natural attitude will become one of humility. Yeah, and you know, we can see all through Philippians, and we're going to see all through Philippians that imitation is a is a key theme, and Paul talks about imitation a lot in yeah. in his letters, and yeah, so, yeah. um, you know, it's. Don't don't see those different translations as or the different renderings uh, as a bad thing. See those as a good thing. You know, as one of one of the movies I've enjoyed in the past is the movie. I don't know if you've ever seen. It, it's called Vantage Point. Um, it's got Forrest Whitaker in it, and and the what it is is like you see this this uh, murder. I guess it's a murder. It's like a killing, um, and then you learn, you see it from a different perspective, and then you see it from another perspective, and each time that you see it from a different perspective, you learn a little bit more about the story as a whole. Yeah. And and so, see, I mean, 
see each one of these translations as like a different vantage point on how we can better learn how to imitate Christ. Yeah. You know, we can better learn how to imitate Christ by having the attitude of Christ Jesus. And we can have it our mind among ourselves that is that is ours when we are in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. You know? Yeah. And and each each way that you think about that is a way that you can build your thought processes around the humility of Christ. Yeah. I think too, like we have so many different translations of the Bible and you know, there you may believe that there are some that are better or more accurate or whatever than others. But remember that like God wired every single person who has ever existed a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So the translation that you are drawn to may be exactly what you need to make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Like Philippians two five in the translation you uh you read, that may that it may be worded that particular way specifically for you because you're wired to understand it in the way that it's worded in the translation sure. you read. So yeah. You know, if if God is intimately involved in every detail of our life, I think even down to how we're wired and which translation we read, mm-hmm. we should we should believe that. So, um, yeah. so we talked about um, the mind of Christ in verse five, and then we move on to the humility of Christ, and this is really the bulk of the passage, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, this is the meat, uh, verses six through eight. Here And he he comes out swinging in verse 6. He says, um, my transition says, um, sorry, the moon pie is fighting back. (laughs) Um, No, but but Paul writes, um, who existing in the form of God um, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Um, So remember, before the incarnation, Christ existed in the form of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this, you know, this ties back to Jesus's divine nature. He's, he is, he was present at the, at creation. He was present yeah. before creation. Um, and John one tells us that Jesus becomes flesh, Yep. which tells us of Jesus, Jesus's human nature. So he's fully divine, fully human. That's called the hypostatic union. Yeah, I got there before I got to the note because I remember <laughs> I had a I had a very dear friend who was tell, telling about the hypostatic union, and he said this is his favorite word in all of uh, theology and doctrine. And he nice. said, in the way he, I, I, I'll remember this for forever. He said, um, hypostatic, but he clapped when he said static, so it was like hypostatic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny to me. So. Um, but two natures together in one person is is a yeah. hypostatic union. So he's fully God, fully man, fully divine, and fully um, fully human. Mm-hmm. Um, and and remember, we talked about this. We did uh, concise al- theology almost a hundred episodes ago. Um, <laughs> so that's weird to think that this is. Been, I know that's <laughs> wow. Um, but there's never been a moment where Jesus didn't exist. Right, he's been present. Um since the beginning since before the yeah. beginning um but that gets us into these like different heresies about Jesus' mm-hmm. existence and there are a plethora of heresies um that have come through through the uh the ages and you know something that we talked about um and I went back and I went back and searched just to make sure it's episode number 22 was when we talked about the dual nature of Christ uh, going through concise theology. And one of the things that we mentioned in that uh, episode was the Council of Nicaea in 325 mm-hmm. and the Council of Chalcedon in three in 451. Those two kind of almost serve as bookends for um, the, the definition, the reigning definition of who we understand Christ to be today. Um, that's where you get uh, the Chalcedonian definition, which comes uh, in 451. But it's kind of a, a progress that's that really starts in Nicaea, mm-hmm. and and really even before Nicaea in 318, when you start talking about Arianism and, and and things like that, and you have this debate between 
Arius um, and the church and all these other guys, and and uh, Arius is declared a heretic, and fun things fun things ensue. But there are several different heresies that we can talk about. The first one, and a lot of them have similarities, but they have key distinctions as well. And it's like uh, when you have one heresy that gets shot down, you like tweak it into another heresy and that gets shot down mm-hmm. and then you tweak it. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of similarities in some of these ones that we mentioned, but um, note, note that there are differences between each one. So the first one is Ebionism mm-hmm. and uh, Ebionism de- denied the divine nature of Jesus Christ. So it, it said that Jesus in his human form was not divine. And the way that they said that was was actually, if you listen to the way that, that I read uh, verse 6, um, uh, I'm sorry, verse 7. Um, so it says, did not account equality to God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Um, a lot of people who would hold to this form of Ebionism would say, okay, well, if Christ emptied himself of his divinity, then he is not divine. That's the way they're they're translating that, and and so, um, the church in that day said, "Nope, that's heresy." And here's the reasons why it's heresy: because mm-hmm. there's so many other times where you can point to Christ and say He absolutely is divine, and and so it's not a emptying as of I'm giving up my divinity. Because if something or if it's truly divine, then you can't you can't get rid of that part. Yeah, it's. More I guess of a, is a way to say that it's more of an emptying of himself of his own. I don't even want to say desire there because that seems like he's. I mean, he is fleshly, like he is. He's human, yeah. but but it. It's a tight rope to walk. It is. It's it's a really tight rope, and and so and and honestly, I mean, that's what led to. Uh, Arianism, mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, okay, well, if he didn't empty himself, well, then he's just not fully divine. You know, he has divinity, but he doesn't really have it. He, you know, um, I think one of the words that they used in this time was was the word tertium quid, um, which is a fun Latin word that means third type. Um, and so it's like he's not human, he's not divine, but he's kind of like in the middle. And and so they would they would use this word tertium quid um, to kind of come up with. There's Jesus in the middle of all this stuff, and 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 he's not one or the other, um, and that was that was a form of Arianism. That was a form of Docetism. Mm-hmm. Docetism denied the humanity side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, They're like, oh, Jesus, he looks like he's flesh, but he's not really here. You know, this is like the Matrix, and he's like this floating program that's going around. Of course, they didn't have the Matrix back then, but you know, you, do you, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, Jesus <laughs> knew about the Matrix, right? <laughs> Yeah, of course he did. I mean, we, we can talk about the Matrix and what the ramifications of that are on theology. Th- okay, so here's, on another here's, episode. <laughs> here's something I want to talk about. So, like, so you have the one where uh, Arianism denies the full deity of Jesus in the flesh, and yep. Docetism denies the humanity of Jesus. Um, so, so they're saying that like Jesus is like this third thing because he's not, you know, he's not really, he's not fully divine, he's not fully flesh, he's kind of somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. like. On its surface, that's not a terrible way to describe Jesus, except for the fully part. <laughs> yeah, and and that's where you end up with the the Chalcedonian definition, because they the Chalcedonian definition acknowledges he's fully God, fully man, two mm. complete, distinct yet combined natures. Gotcha. You know, if you've ever listened to the, I'm pretty sure I've, I haven't mentioned him in at least 50 or so episodes, probably closer to 100. But the rapper Shy Lin has mm-hmm. great uh, rap songs about uh, the hypostatic union, and <laughs> so you can just go listen to that and and get a get a heavy dose of theology there uh, in the song "Hypostatic Union" Union by Shy Lin. Um, but you have Arianism, you have Docetism, then you have Apollinarianism. So there's this new guy who comes on. You got Arius, then you got Apollinarius. Mm-hmm. I love the way they name people back then. Uh, I'm thinking about naming my, one of my kids that, but probably not. So he denied the full humanity of Jesus. So you got Arianisms denying the full deity. You got Apollinarianisms divine, denying the full humanity. And again, are they, they're, they're are they claiming that like are so Apollinarianism is accepting the full divinity of Jesus? Yes, but denying yes. his full humanity. 
That's right. And then Arianism is doing the opposite. The exa- yeah, exactly. It's it's like Republicans and Democrats today. I mean, it's, it's like y'all are saying the same thing, just changing like one word. Right, right. So you got Apollinarianism. Then you have the my favorite one is Nestorianism. Who's mm-hmm. like, who's like, yeah, he's got these na- two natures, but they're not really combined. And you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. So he's bipolar, <laughs> basically. That's he what, just switch so, one on and the other off at any it, time. That's, I mean, that's essentially what he did. What Nestorius would argue, and to be fair, like to me, Nestorius is the one who's really trying to protect both the divinity and the humanity of Christ mm-hmm. at the same time. Now, I think he missed the mark, and and yes, I believe what what he put forth is heresy, but he was at least attempting to to say no. Jesus is fully divine, he's fully human, but there are times when he's only acting in his divinity and he's only acting in his humanity. And so you end up with this like, well, how do you determine yeah. when he's acting as, in his humanity or his divinity? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because when Jesus is being worshipped, well, clearly he should be acting in his divinity at that point, because if a man is accepting worship, then that's idolatry. So can't do that. <laughs> right. Um, so that's uh, that's Nestorianism, and then you had Eutychianism, which is very similar to Nestorianism, where he just denied a complete distinction between the the two. Um, he basically said everything was uh, was amalgamated into one. He's kind of the opposite of Nestorius, and says it's all one, and you just gotta you just gotta figure it out. And and so what you end up with is, and I believe they put it in here, you end up with the Chalcedonian uh, definition. Yes. Um, that came from the the uh, Council of Chalcedon in 451, which says, We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, begotten of the Father of all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. Hmm. And so if that's as clear as mud, then you're welcome, because that's what, <laughs> that's the best that they could come up with. Um, Do you think the uh, proposers of these various heresies, like, were believers, like, were true believers? Like, are we going to be able to talk to these guys in heaven and ask them, like, yo, what up? Like, <laughs> You know, um, I, I think they were, um, some of them at least. You know, I, I, I don't think you can deny the deity of Christ and, and still be considered a believer because mm-hmm. you're, you're denying a— you know, a, a essential a big, aspect of who pretty, Jesus was. It's a pretty big part of it, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe the humanity part, I mean, the, you got guys like Nestor. I, I would say, out of this list, I would say this is a purely fallen interpretation of this. Nestorius, yes, I would say Nestorius probably believed that, that Christ, you know, he, he believed that Christ came, died for sins, all that kind of, you know, essential to the gospel. Um I would say that uh, Ebionism, possibly, because even though he de- he denied the divine nature, he still admitted that Christ was here for for the the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Apollinarianism, it's entirely possible. You know, each one of these has a has an aspect of it that goes. Uh, I'm not going to step out on a limb and say all these people are in hell. Are they heretics? Yes. As far as I'm concerned, they're heretics, but yeah. that doesn't mean that the that the gospel didn't reach them and that they didn't put their faith and trust in Christ. Right. And so, you know, just because they were wrong on something that that would be considered essential to the gospel, there's there's nothing that says after the Chalcedonian definition, and at least I haven't read it. I'm sure there's probably something, but I haven't read it. That Nestorius didn't go. You know what? You guys are right. I'm going to repent of that bad theology yeah. or or my wrong view and I'm gonna, you know, put my faith and trust in Christ. And so um and, and I hope I would love to have a conversation with some of these guys. Yeah. And, and honestly, <laughs> you know, we had to have I mean, in order for us to have a better understanding of who Jesus was as far as mm-hmm. divine and flesh, like these things had to be done. Like somebody yeah. had to be tied to these Right heresies for like yeah. for, for you there, know 
there's a saying in in theology, theological circles that I kind of picked up as I was going through seminary, and that is heresy always produces orthodoxy. It's mm. not the other way around. Orthodoxy does not produce heresy. Heresy produces orthodoxy. Mm. Um, and the the more you read through church history, through um, early church fathers, you find that they they were kind of stumbling in the woods, and then somebody would come out and say something, and they were like, mm, "I don't know about that. Let's let's you know let's mm-hmm. kind of formulate. Let's get an idea, and then." you would have an orthodox statement. And so you you have these heresies that produce orthodoxy more than orthodoxy produces heresy. Gotcha. So um, all of that kind of wraps up to say that we as Christians should believe that Jesus is 100% human. He is 100% divine. And that is called the hypostatic union. And we believe that through faith mm-hmm. because... The gospel calls us to believe these things through faith. Yeah. So. And again, other stuff we've talked about before, like if you could understand it, would you want to follow and worship? That's right. Him. If the infinite can be explained by the finite. He's no longer infinite. He's no longer infinite. Amen to that. All right. So we talked about the mind of Christ. We talked about the humility of Christ. Yep. We've beat that dead horse. Um, <laughs> and, and now we're talking about the exaltation of Christ, and this is how Paul wraps up the section, uh, verses 9 through 11. Um, I want to reread it from the HCSB because I think it's so good here. Um, Do it. So it says, uh, Paul says, For this reason God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Christ's exaltation can be paralleled over to Matthew 23 in verse 12. This is Jesus uh, talking here. Jesus says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Um, and I think about, like, you think of, you know, some of the, like, very high-profile celebrity people um that have been humbled in the last couple of years. Shoot, a couple of days. Well, that too. <laughs> but then you also have like people you've never heard of that go mm-hmm. through life like just like being successful in ways that like that don't that not necessarily mo- monetary, not necessarily mm-hmm. like you're following or whatever, but like just being a decent person or being like a humble person fills you with so much more joy than like beating your chest and saying, Hey, Hey, look at me. Ha ha ha. Yeah. You know? Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that was needed. We love to hear stories about normal everyday people who like do think like, you know, you, you see these and you're like, Oh, my faith in humanity is restored because you hear about this. Nobody who helps, you know, uh, an old man across the street, or he, or he drives him lunch every day. Dude, my favorite one of those is the, um, the the kid, the teenager, who got a random text from a lady on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and, and was like, "Hey, Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner's at you know such and such time," and he was like, "Who is this?" And he's like, "Oh, this is your grandmother." It's like, I, no, you're not my grandmother, but what time is dinner again? Like, like and, and then they, you know, they meet and they, it's become this like recurring theme. Yeah. This recurring event where they, the two of them get together. It's like that, those kind of stories are like, you see like, um, the UPS driver who stopped to play basketball with a kid in this driveway who was playing by himself for a few minutes. Like, like those kind of things that like that, that guy's not looking for, publicity he's not looking to make get i mean he's just trying to do something good for somebody else yeah you know yep and and that principle that biblical principle when it's followed will i mean will return rewards yeah um you know it's that's not going to get you into heaven but you know you hear about those stories and those stories make you feel good Mm-hmm. And and that's that's not a bad thing. No, not at all. So it's encouraging about humanity. 
So we 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 talked about this exaltation and we talked about Christ humbling himself being the perfect one that we should imitate. And that that's the purpose of of Christ's uh, I guess humiliation. Um and then it says that Christ is going to be given the name that is above every name. Now, in your version and in my version, it says Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those areas where it has sparked debate. Um, is it the name of Jesus that is above every name, or is it the name of Yahweh that is above every name? And there are people who argue on both sides of the debate. I, I personally would have to to conclude that it's probably the name Yahweh, Mm-hmm. Um, because when you look at Revelation, it's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. There it's 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 going to be referring to the name Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, when you read through the Old Testament, you know, uh, who should I say that sent me? I am Yahweh. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he God says that he does these things for his name, for his great name. And yeah. so um, I think at the end of the day... It's if this is this should not be a dividing line for us. This should not be something that that divides Christians. Unfortunately, it is. But here's the reality: if you're if you're saying Jesus, well, guess what? Jesus is God. The Father yeah. is God. The Holy Spirit is God. You know, we can. You know, I can be Anthony. I can be Dad. I can be Son. All at the same time. That's you know? modalism, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> but I can be no because I'm not claiming to be the Trinity. <laughs> it's, it's not modalism. <laughs> oh, you're right. But but I, I you know I can have those three names, and and they be referring to me. That's that's the, right. that's kind of my point. I'm trying to get at here. Um, I'm not acting in three modes. I'm acting. Or I'm being called three names. Uh, but but I'm still. Me, I'm I'm one person. Right. I am I am Anthony. I am son to, uh, you know, Roland and Teresa. I am father to my kids. I am husband mm-hmm. to my wife. I yeah. You know, th- this is like that's who I am. And so, at the same time, Jesus is the son of God the Father. You know the way we we look at him, and and he's the the bridegroom of the church. Yeah. And so, at the end of the day, I don't think putting the name, saying it has to be this specific name, is that important. Here's what we know. God's going to be worshipped for all of eternity, period. Yep. And that's all we need to be worried about. Yep. Because that's what Revelation 5 teaches us. Yep. And so, you have the the conclusion of verse 11, and at, at that name... Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Yahweh, to the glory of God the Father. Mm. And this passage, even though it sparks debate, this passage should teach us as Christians something. And the thing that it should teach us is that we need to constantly go back to verse 1 through 4. We need to constantly be putting others' needs above ourselves because that's what Christ did. When he mm-hmm. was humbled, when he took on flesh and he stooped down all the way to death on a cross so that he could be the substitution for sinners like you and like me, and he could be the bridge that brings us back into fellowship with God. Yeah. And that, at the end of the day, that's the point of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Anthony, that was a, a good spot to... to close that discussion there um would you like to pray for us this week man i would love to i'd love to take the opportunity so wherever you are uh if you can uh, i'd ask you to bow your heads if you can't then then uh just uh let me pray for you and pray over you god we thank you for tonight we thank you for an opportunity that we have uh, to dive into your word we thank you for um the freedom that you've given us uh as believers in christ to be able to study and to learn and, and even though we've talked about some things that are um, theological and, and not necessarily super applicable as far as the, the theological words go, God, I pray that we would take this and we would apply it to our lives. We would know that uh, Christ came. He, he left 
heaven. He left uh, all of the the glories that are heaven, and he came down to earth. He took on flesh, is what John cha- uh, John chapter one tells us, and he went to the cross and he died for our sins and he lived the life that we were supposed to live but we couldn't live uh and he died the death that we were supposed to die and he died that death in our place and so uh god i pray that we would be thankful uh in remembrance of that and god i pray that you would teach us uh to have the mind of christ uh just as paul instructs the church in philippi here that we would have the mind of christ that we would seek to serve others first and we would seek to represent Christ to all of those who are around us, then our humbling in, in, in the ways that we live our lives in humility uh, and honor towards God, uh, that we would see that and we would be that for the world around us. And, and God, we would know that that would lead to our exaltation, which is going to be eternity with you in heaven. That is the ultimate expression of our exaltation. Um, and getting to spend eternity worshiping you forever uh, will be the joy of all of our life. And, and God, I pray that that would be true of all of us who have put faith in in Christ Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. And God, that we can share that with the world around us. Uh, and I pray that as we go uh, into this week and into this weekend, uh, God, that we would be that light, we would be that servant mentality uh, that we would keep the mind of Christ uh, ever on our on our eyes and in our minds and on our lips and on our tongues, that, God, that we would speak uh, with words of, of encouragement, God, that we would point people and lead people back to the cross of Christ so that we can see people put their faith and trust in Jesus to the glory of God the Father, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and we can give glory to you on that final day. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to get a hold of us on social media places, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. You can email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also visit our website beersandbiblepodcast.com and we would love to uh, hear from you on all of our social media uh, networks if you have any suggestions for a beer you'd like for us to review or anything you'd like for us to discuss in a future episode of the podcast we'd love to do that and on our website you can pick up some beers and bible merchandise hats t-shirts stickers all sorts of fun things that you can do so but be sure to check all that out and uh represent the podcast wherever you go so until next week i would hope that your beer stays cold and your bible stays open and we will see you later peace out <laughs>